This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch, handmade hot sauce, made specially for you. So if you like hot sauce, you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's the hot sauce that bites back. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Did you know that Jimi Hendrix created the song Little Wing in only 145 seconds? Well, now you know. I mean, there's being in the zone, and then there's having superpowers. Well, on this episode, more mixtape talk. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. So sit back and give it a listen. The KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction as usual. Welcome to the podcast. I'm not going to say the name because you're listening and you're watching, so you already know. But if you like the podcast and you're a release and you're a return listener, a habitual listener, share it. We would really appreciate it. Share it, like it, comment on it, on whatever platform you're listening to it on. Uh, and if you're on YouTube and you're watching us, because right now we're live streaming over Facebook and YouTube, uh, give us a like, subscribe, and share. We would really appreciate it. So. Tonight's episode, another mixtape, I call it. Call mixtape episodes. Uh, you know, just straight conversation about music. So, without further ado, let me bring on my co-host. The can of mixed nuts with mixed emotions, who's always mixed up. My friend, Mr. Jack Calabrese. Hey, what's going on, Scotty? I'm a little mixed up tonight. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Play uh, mixed uh, for me. What's going on? What's wait, happening? That's, that's the right off the bat. That's the best you have. That, hey, I didn't know be you were going to do it. Hey, I'm ready to I'm ready to mix it up. <laughs> it's all, Hey, now he's back. All right. <laughs> Let me do a little adjustment here. You know, uh, give me a minute. And, you know, this is live streaming. So here we go. All right. I'm back. I'm in the zone now. So, yeah, I think tonight. Like I said, a little mixed conversation, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You ready to do a good show? I'm ready to do a good show. All right, buddy. Hey, by the All way, right. by the way, congratulations. I saw on CNN 3,500 downloads. Not bad. Yeah, yes. You watch CNN? <laughs> Is that a confession? I was, I, was, I was flipping through the channels. I was, <laughs> was, I, was, I, was looking, I was looking for SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we hit 3,500 downloads, and, and you know, that's it's that's good. That's good. I'm I'm happy with that. We're, we're not even at 30 episodes, you know, and it's a, it's a slow climb, but it's a consistent climb. And every week we get a couple more viewers here, a couple more viewers there, and someday we'll be big boys, you know. Someday, someday, someday we'll be there. So let me start off. I'm gonna um, I'm gonna spitball some. Uh, let me see. I'm going to spitball some some groups at you and tell me what you think. Uh-oh. Right? Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah. Um sticks. Sticks. Um you know, classic 70s corporate rock band. Um you know, some some good hits, some not so good hits. You know, some of the early stuff really kind of rocked, you know, Renegade you know, fooling yourself, come sail away. You know, even I remember walking around with my buddy Jimmy Barker when we were kids. And the first time I heard Lady, I thought that was just an amazing song. 
Like, I don't even remember how old I was. But and then they take a little bit of a left-hand turn. The Paradise Theater, Rockin' the Paradise, you know, too much time on my hands. They played that video on MTV relentlessly. You know, just um, drove me nuts. Just yeah. drove me drove me crazy. Uh, babe, ugh. Tough song. <laughs> uh, then, it was one the, of those junior high dance songs. Right? Yeah. And then, then the, the song or then the album that they were really known for, which is really unfortunate, is Domi Oregato, Mr. Roboto. Uh, I'm going to touch on something later on, but uh, that is definitely on my list of worst songs oh, ever. God. They say, you know, I remember watching like one of those rockumentaries where, the, you know, the band had just had it. And when they were on that tour, the, it was more of a, a play, I guess, or a musical than it was a rock concert anymore. And they played some festival like down in Texas and they ran late because of production issues and whatnot. And you had, I don't know, 30,000 Texans that had been drinking beer all day. And then you had these robots and these guys in like leotards running around and whatnot. And the rest of the guys from Sticks were like, what the fuck are we doing? Well, that was Dennis DeYoung. Yep, it was. He 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 always wanted to be like the theater guy. And he was. Destroyed and, and, that and band. And that was the downfall of that band. Destroyed that band. You know I mean? I, I don't think that Tommy Shaw and I think James Young was the bass player or uh, the other the other guitar player, uh, they didn't even want to record Babe. They thought it was too soft, too you know lousy, and um, you know it ended up being a big hit for them. But you know again, they thought of themselves as a hard rock band from Chicago. You know, um, they they had their moment in, sure in, they in did. the seventies, right? I, I I think they had their moment in the seventies. Re, you know, Renegade was a big song, and Babe was was a big song, and you know. But then they got Dennis DeYoung started having more say over Tommy Shaw. I guess he was pushing it and wanted to put on these big, elaborate productions, kind of like Bono, <laughs> except <laughs> Bono with no style. Like Dennis DeYoung, and I, I, I think he eventually did a Broadway uh, play some years back. He did something with Broadway, I think, and, which was always his, uh, you know, his goal, it seems. Uh, that, that, that's kind of comparative to um, with Genesis. With Peter Phil Gabriel. Collins? Peter, Peter Gabriel. Gabriel. Peter Gabriel was all about the theatrics in yeah. Genesis, all about the theatrics, one of these big – you know, elaborate shows and, you know, and, and in the, in the, in the seventies when Genesis was, you know, when did they evolve? When did they first come up? Mid seventies, oh, early seventies, early, early. Yeah. 70s. Yeah. And you know, the, 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 he would just do these stage shows and it wasn't really going well with the rest of the guys just like in sticks and he goes on his own and they both become, you know, Mega stars. I was never a big Peter Gabriel fan. He had good songs in the 80s. You know, Games Without Frontiers and, you know, that classic, the classic song from the the movie, uh, was it In In Your Eyes? In Your Eyes off of the So album. Yeah, 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 what's his name is holding in the movie, in the movie. He's holding yeah, the radio Cusack. over his head. And, yeah, John Cusack. Yeah. yeah, John Cusack, exactly. So that was one of those, um, you know, moments for that song. That that actually probably put that song in a very, uh, in much higher spot than it maybe I, I, deserved. I, I don't know. Oh, it's, no, it's that's a, a great, song. That, whole, that whole album, the So album from Peter Gabriel was brilliant. I mean, well, just, got album of the year, right? One hit after another. I mean, video of the year with Sledgehammer. Yeah, fantastic. You know, you know the, the the first couple of solo albums for Peter Gabriel. You know what they were called? Peter Gabriel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know what the second one was called? Peter Gabriel. Peter. The third one was called Peter Gabriel. Uh, uh, it wasn't how original even like, for an artistic it guy. It wasn't even one, two, or three. Actually, you know, talk about artistic guy. And the third one is since you actually made reference of it. Uh, 
the third Peter Gabriel album with Games Without Frontiers. You know, some people talk about the acrimony that may exist between Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins. That that's not really the case. They actually worked together thereafter. As a matter of fact, Peter Gabriel was the drummer on the third album. And get this, here's a little known fact that you may not know, Scott, that I'm going to let you know right now. On that third album, with Games Without Frontiers and Biko was on that record, Peter Gabriel was the creative guy on it. He would not let Phil Collins use a hi-hat or cymbals on any of that record. Interesting. That's... that's got to be tough for a drummer. Couldn't use hi-hats or the cymbal on the entire record, which really kind of added to the overall kind of weird tone to that 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 record. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. I, I never knew that. That's that's, that's see, that's that's why we have these conversations, buddy. <laughs> that's so. that's a piece of information that you can go out and make absolutely zero with. <laughs> like the rest, like the rest of our information. Yeah, maybe you'll get some okay, hot sauce. We're, we're out of doing it. this podcast, and we're not even looking to monetize. Like this is where we think <laughs> it's for the love you know, of the music. And who knows? Maybe someday lightning will strike in the in the right place, and uh, somebody picks this up. Uh, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll hey, see. You, you never know. You never know. You never know. All right, let me let's move on to another band. Um, it's I kind of put them in the same. Same light as Sticks. I, w- I was going to guess who it was. Go ahead, Farna. Oh, dude, we uh, we got some connectedness going, buddy. <laughs> or I gave a really good hint. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you said that they were in the same light, I mean, they they unfortunately kind of are in the same category, right? There's a there's a lot of people that in the late seventies they called it arena rock. Yeah. Or, or kind of corporate rock, and it played to the 18 to 25-year-old male demographic, and they, they put a bunch of bands in that category, and some of them really unfairly. So Styx was in that category. Farner was in that category. Boston was in that category. Yeah. Bad, com- bad Company was in that Unfortunately, category. Unfortunately, it was in that category. They didn't deserve that category. but No, you know, some of them, you know, really. Well, Arena really Rock, did. but they were a step above the other um, bands, I think. I think I, I think Bad Company was a step above those other bands. Farner was, was, was a great band, I thought. I thought that they had a lot of great hits. I, if you if I was to tell you, you know, gun to your head, pick a band, who are you taking? What, between Farner and Sticks? I think that's who we're talking about, Jackie boy. Welcome to the show. There's no, you don't have to put a gun to my head. There's no contest. I choose Farner every other, any, any day. Oh, see, Mick, see, see. Oh, see, you, you would go Sticks? No, no, I said bad company. Did I say... Who did I say? Said, sticks. You said sticks. Welcome to the show, dickhead. Oh, <laughs> I just, I just, I just got stuck in my own trap. Oh. <laughs> no, bad, bad company. Whole other category. I mean, come yeah, on, that's who I was the, talking about. Was bad company. The, the, I think. I think they were. I think that Bad Company was the first band signed to Swan Song Records, Led Zeppelin's record yeah, label. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm going to go back and listen to the tape. I, I, I was, I believe, I was talking about Bad Company, and yeah. you were the one who wasn't uh, in the game. So we'll, said, we'll we'll pick this up next next podcast. Uh, no, I said I, I said I think between, we should go to the tape. We we're going to go to the tape. So. I said between Farner and Sticks. You said, "Yeah, welcome to the show." Oh, because I. I, I very rarely pay attention to what you're saying, so I'm just waiting I'm to ask the next question. <laughs> so wait a minute before before we move on. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Farner. Which, by the way, yeah, Farner is was on tour this this summer. There's not one original member of Farner in Farner. A- exactly. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy, but it's like, not. It's, it's it's not unusual. At one time, there were two versions of the Temptations that were touring at the same time. At one time, there were three 
versions of the platters or the coasters, one of those two that that were touring it. So it's not it's not unprecedented, but Foreigner I thought was a, a much better band than Sticks. Yes. Um their first album I thought was great, Cold Great Designs. album. Feels like the first time yes. Star Stargazer, Star Rider. Yeah. Star yeah, Rider. Star Rider, yeah. But you know, uh, you know, then you get into, you know, Dirty White Boys, uh Head Long, Game. Long Way from Home, is that the name? Long, of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Blue Monday. Wasn't Long Long Way from Home, wasn't that their first hit? Uh off that album? No, no, I I think that uh Cold as ISO feels like the first time with the first uh foreigner singles. Cold as ice on the first album? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought yep. uh Long Long Way From Home, if that's even the name of the song. I think it's <laughs> called I think it's called Blue Monday. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's you know what that is one of those songs where you just know it as that. Long like, Long Way From Home. Yeah. Cause that's yeah. that's what stands out. And groups that name bands like yeah, Led Zeppelin's infamous for you know, writing a writing writing songs and then coming up with names like Dire Maker and you know the Lemon Song. It's like, ah. yeah. It's well, not- the Lemon Song actually is kind of relevant to the to the name, right? It's not but. Dire Maker. It's Jamaica. It's Dire Maker. It's Jamaica. It's, it's dire- a reggae song. It's Jamaica. It's di- you get di- it? It's dire Maker. So anyway, getting back to Foreigner. So Foreigner, <laughs> you know. Good hard rock band, and then they take that left-hand turn. Yeah. They come out with Foreigner 4, with Jukebox Hero, Urgent. Big hit. Big and hit. then I've Been Waiting for a Girl Like You, where they, you know, hey, okay, you know, ballad, but then. <laughs> I th- but I it think was a big ne- hit. I think the next record was called Agent Provocateur that had I Want to Know What Love Is. Uh... This is Casey Kasem. No. And this song goes out to Scott McLean. It's Farner with I Just Want to Know What Love Is. Who dedicated it, Casey? Who dedicated it? Scott Wright. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, they, they saw the money in that. And at that time that, that they were raking in the cash, you know. And it was it was it was the thing. It was what was going around in, in music at that time, you know. Yeah, I, it doesn't mean I like it, you know. But didn't they have a little conflict over that direction? Um, the band. Well, well, you know, Lou Graham ended up leaving the band, but I, I think it was. I'm not sure if it was creative differences. I'm sure that played into it, but I think he actually got sick. Yeah, I just read something recently on on uh, Lou Graham and Foreigner. And just the the damage that was done between him and the other bandmates, it's like he'll never go back. He said he'll never go back to Foreigner again. It was something like that. I read it recently. Well, I mean, you know, Foreigner was Mick Jones and Lou Graham and, you know, those other guys. And those other guys, yeah. Those other guys. Yeah, Yeah. it's like Matchbox 20. Rob Thomas and those other guys, they really rock. Well, they they fall into that category of the lead singer is, you know, of groups like Matchbox 20 or Counting Crows, you know? Yeah. It's like, so what do you think of Counting Crows? Um, Love some of their stuff. Completely indifferent to some of their stuff. Sometimes Adam can come across a little whiny for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love, I love, uh, there's a live version. So last week we were talking about Unplugged. There's an Unplugged version of A Long December that I just love. Long December, is, that is a really good song. It's a it's a great yeah, great. That's song. a really good song. Um, <clears throat> but he he gets a little bit too poetic. He gets lost in that. You know, sometimes the the music takes a backseat to his poetry. Well, he got caught up in that uh, Hollywood scene. Yeah, when sure. actresses and models were looking to get a rock star. Yeah, you know, it all started like with Tommy Lee and Pam Anderson. Yeah, and all and Billy Joel and Christy Brinkley were f- before that and. You know, John Mellencamp and, and uh, Rick Ocasek. Rick Ocasek. So, and he got what caught about, up in that. What about, wait a minute. Lyle Lovett. Yeah. I don't know what she was thinking. <laughs> Julia well, Roberts and yeah, Lyle I'm, Lovett. 
How, how many times do you think that has been said about our wives? Hey, I don't know about you, but I'm a I'm a good looking man. I'm you're just a, gonna you're say a, it. You and Lyle love it. You're right up there, brother. <laughs> All right, you're back. Jack is back. All right, That's a couple of touches there. Couple of touches. <laughs> um, this is an interesting group. Live. Uh, right. You know what? Same, same, same kind of, uh, same type of category. And you know, it's funny that you actually mentioned them because I've seen live twice and both times they were on the bill with counting crows. Really? Both times. Look at that. Interesting that I put them back to back, huh? Yeah. Huh. Uh, so, so who, who, another, who was the opening act? They, so one time I saw them, they were at Woodstock 99 and then the next time I saw them live was the opening act. And it, there was probably somebody on before them, right? And I think that the way they did it on that tour is they alternated. Okay, yeah, that, I've seen that happen. So I know, would one, say that uh, live should be the, I would think that they would be the the main act over Counting Crows. I, I much think better that, band, much better sound. Yeah, but I, I think I think that live in the states were probably more popular. You know, because of Long December, because of Mr. Jones. You oh, know, oh live, you mean live, Counting Crows? Counting Crows. I'm yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. Counting Crows. Shock went um, up for me. Who did I? Who did I say? I said live. Oh. You, you can go live, to the tape. I, we'll go to the tape. Live, I agree. I think they were a better band. They were certainly yes. a hard, harder band. Um. Lucchini's Juice is probably my favorite song by them. That's that, great. That, that video, if you ever want to watch great. a great video with a great song, Lucchini's Juice is a fantastic song, and the video is 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 very interesting. Very tense. Yes. Well, there's a lot of tension well, in that song. A lot of their songs have that tension in it. Yeah. You know. Um, but that's a that's a heavy song. That's a, definitely a heavy song. Yeah. Uh, Scott, the IT guy, uh, welcome, welcome to the show. I know he's already, he's been watching from the beginning. He said, Jack, you look a little sleepy tonight. I am a little sleepy tonight. You need the nappy. You need to, you want to do your nappy time? <laughs> I'm just about ready to sign off. Put on a little, <laughs> put on a little counting crows and go sleepy time. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, what about, the Scorpions. I love the Scorpions. Right? Right? Absolutely. Right? Like, how could you not like the Scorpions? Underrated. Underrated band. Greatest Germans in the world. Underrated. <laughs> underrated band. I mean, you know, look, the, what, you talk about, you know, good videos. Big City Nights, the live version of Big City Nights that they used to play on MTV. I loved, loved that song. Yeah. But The Zoo, great song. Yeah. Uh, Rock You Like a Hurricane, unbelievable. Cla that's a classic. That is an yeah. absolute classic, classic song. That's up in the upper echelons of songs. Rock You Like a yeah. Hurricane. That's up there with, with, uh, 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 with, uh, ACDC's Back in Black, I think. That, that, yeah, just a you know, classic riff. Oh, and just hard driving and, you know, no pretentiousness to it. It's just right in your face, like yeah. Back in Black, right? Right but in you your know, face. But, you know, like like Foreigner and Sticks, they took that left-hand turn, and I think their biggest hit was that ballad. Do you remember the name of it? Yeah, I, da, 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 I saw the video. Well, I stopped watching the video after the 500th time. Was the whole you know Cold War song? It was called yeah. Winds of Change. Winds of Change, yeah. Winds of Change, yeah. Uh, rock ballad, yeah. Rock. Happy ballad. birthday, Jen Locke. Ooh. Oh, happy birthday, Jen Locke. Yes. Buy yourself a pizza. Oh, pizza. <laughs> Is that a gift if you tell someone to buy it for themselves? We'll pay you back, Jen. S send Jack the bill. <laughs> He's closer. He's been talking a lot about pizza and paying people back, haven't we? <laughs> Inside uh, joke. A little off people. the air conversation for the, for the <laughs> listeners and viewers. Inside yeah. joke there. 
Yeah. So, so you got another one? You got another? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a few. That These are kind of those interesting kind of bits. Let's go back. Let's go back. Grand Funk Railroad. Oh, man. When I was a kid, I loved Grand Funk Railroad. All right. When you, when you, when you think of Grand Funk Railroad, what's the first song that comes to your mind? We're an American band. There you go. Right? That is an What's imprint it? right there. I had, I had that on 45. It was on clear gold vinyl. Oh, I think I had that. It was a treasure, man. That yeah. Thing. That, oh, that's a memory right there, buddy. I yeah. think I had that because we all had our collections of 45s. But yeah, you know what? There's a, there's a band that has not like aged well, uh, you know, in time, and it's not that they haven't aged well, but like their music just doesn't get played like it used to get played. You What's know, I mean, the you second hear, song you think about when you think about Grand Funk. I'm your captain. Uh, I would say locomotion. The locomotion, the good cover. You know, yeah, it was Libra. a big, it was a big hit for them. Carol King wrote it. Yeah. Yeah. Carol King wrote it. That was a big hit for them. But uh, what about uh, Some Kind of Wonderful? Great song, right? Yep. It's one of those, if you got their greatest hits, I don't think you'd have a problem with it. No. I, I don't no, think I, it's I, something I, you'd listen to every day, necessarily. But you'd have no problem listening to it. I I think that if any one of our listeners went down to you know, the casinos in Connecticut or down in Everett and whatnot. And Grand Funk was playing and somebody gave any of our listeners tickets and they said, okay, let's, let's go. I think they would be shocked and surprised at how many of their songs they actually know. And we've touched on that in past episodes about certain bands. You just forget. You just forget. And at one point they were, they held the, the world record for loudest concert. Grand Funk did. Yeah. I don't know decibels, but it was, it was insane decibels. They were, they they were a massive, massive band in the early seventies, you know, stadium. They were state, they they were a stadium band. Yes. They they were, they were playing to the same size audiences like the Rolling Stones were. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but they just didn't have that, that longevity. Well, they, they kept putting out hits and then who knows internal problems, uh, they just it just ran its course. Music changed. You know, you wonder why bands like that just all of a sudden stopped. Well, well, Mark Mark Farner, who was the principal songwriter and, and most of the time the lead singer, you know, kind of did his own thing and for a little bit, had a couple of solo records. They didn't really go anywhere. Mel, I don't remember his last name. The bass player just kind of lived off of his money, and the drummer, um. Still actually plays drums for Guess Who? The drummer from Grand Funk still yeah. plays the drums for... for not it's not a band. It's not a band. It's one of your favorite live performers. One of my favorite. It's not Morrissey. No, it wouldn't be Morrissey. No, I was gonna say. <laughs> Uh, Remember, one of my favorite so was, live performers. Interesting. So, he was, so, so the drummer, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I probably have one of their albums right here. I could probably look it up. Eh. Um, but um, he was the one. He sang vocals on American Band. We're an American band. And when Grand Funk kind of broke up, and, and they've, they've, they come out of uh, retirement occasionally and play. But when the Grand Funk is not playing, he plays drums for, you ready? Uh, I'm ready. Bob Seger. Ah, okay. Is he uh, an official part of the Silver Bullet Band? or? I think so. Really? I think so. Like I from think the so. beginning? From no, the... no, 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 no. Oh, okay. He wasn't, okay. he wasn't an original member. But he's been around for a while. Yeah, I, I think Seger. that the Silver Bullet Band is kind of a rotating cast of characters. I had that roller coaster relationship with Bob Seeger. I, I loved his music. Then I didn't. You know, he jumped the shock with the 48 hours, you know, song from the movie 40, 48 hours. 
with Eddie Bring Murphy. Them, or was that them. Beverly Hills Cop? I, don't, I, don't I think know. it was Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that he kind of jumped the shock with that one. It was really outside of his his zone, you know. Yeah. But then then you know, you you just come back to a to appreciate a bit to all that roller coaster ride with him. I never stopped loving the greatest live one of the greatest live songs or so, double songs in rock music history. Traveling Man and Beautiful Loser. Yeah. Buddy, that what a, I mean, talk about just a perfect moment when they recorded that. It was just so perfect how they transitioned through songs and it picked right up. And it was just, to this day, it's such a great, great live recording. Bob, Bob Seger is the man live. He's never, I don't, I've seen him a, a bunch of times and he never disappoints. Renee you know, Nolte gonna, says the same thing. She said he is always awesome live. Yes. He is always awesome live. And that live bullet record is fantastic. Yes. You know, it still, still holds up today. I don't think it gets the credit it deserves. You know, when you talk about live albums, people talk about uh, the Who live at Leeds and they talk about Frampton Comes Alive and they talk about uh, Cheap Trick live at Budokan. Rarely do you hear Live Bullet mentioned, and it absolutely should be because it's better than a lot of those. So we saw the concert that was recorded in the Boston Gardens. Yeah, that was uh, on the not nine tonight. nine tonight. Yeah, that was nineteen eighty two. I think eighty two. Yeah, eighty yeah, two. Yeah, and I've told this story before, and I'll. We were probably together. We're on floor seats, and he had to cancel. Uh, a previous show in Boston and he came back and he apologized. He was sick or something. He got sick and he played a couple songs and the place was just insane. Right. Every he was, he was at his peak, you know, people were waiting to see him. And after the second song, he just kind of stops. He says, okay, listen, listen, do yourselves a favor, have a seat. Cause this is going to be a long night. Yep. Which in turn made everybody go even crazier. Nobody sat in their seat. I mean, how could no. you? You know? Yeah. Where was, was the great. other half of that recorded? The other half of that was recorded in Philadelphia. Uh, I was, I would There guess was a couple that, of tracks outside of Boston that are on that album. Yeah. I, I would say, you know, it's either Detroit or Philly. Yeah. One of those, one of those cities <laughs> that's not Boston. But uh, Boston has it's more than its fair share of live albums. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And to think that the garden, the Boston garden was, it was pretty horrendous now that you, you know, uh, acoustically, <laughs> but you know, back then no one cared, you yeah. know, no, no one cared. And, and that's why they would bring these things into the studio and, and uh, you know, put some production value into it. I don't know the stats, and I don't know if anybody's ever tabulated this, but I think that if you looked at the place where most live albums were recorded in Boston, it was at the Orpheum. Orpheum, yeah. The Orpheum Theater, U2, the Allman Brothers Band, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, there's the police. Uh, the Alarm. The Alarm, the Pretenders, there's there's a lot of them that are out yeah. there. By the Again, way, they, it's a theater, so it's it's acoustically sound, you know. Well, that, for for years and years, people regarded it as as some of the best acoustics in the country. Yeah, yeah, yep. At the end and of that years, dead end, right for, off of Boston Common, Hamilton Place had some experiences Drew, there, buddy. Do you remember every concert that we went to? You looked down at your ticket; it had the ticket price, plus it had a dollar for restoration fee. I never were, noticed that they were they were restoring the Orpheum Theater for forever. Do you know that that is the oldest continuously operated theater in the country? I am not surprised. I'm not surprised one bit. That goes no. so far back that Charles Dickens actually read a Christmas Carol from that stage. Wow! Look at that! Look at that! That's amazing, right? Yeah. By the way, the uh, Seeger album uh, I, was he in the mezzanine or was he in the uh, orchestra? Do you know? Who? 
Oh, he was on Dick, stage. That's right. Dickens, yeah. he, he was on stage. He was on stage. Okay. He was on stage. Unlike Bono, well, the first time that I saw you two with Phil Kelly, May 6th, 1983, Bono climbed up on the monitors and then he was walking across the balcony. Ah, that's where Eddie Vetta got his, uh, his climbing the walls. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah. Except Bono didn't jump into the crowd or fall no. into the crowd. No, he did not. Which I got to give Eddie Vetta pounds of respect for doing that. I mean, that oh, yeah. is a trust fall from hell. Yeah. <laughs> so this is an interesting group. Very interesting group, as a matter of fact. All right, let me guess. Ah, you will not get this, but go ahead. Super Tramp. No, no. Okay. A little, little more modern than Super but let's talk about Supertramp, right? If Supertramp, if the lead the lead singer from Supertramp, Roger Hodson, had a whole had a whole different band, would you know the difference? No, he, that's one of those bands where his voice is the band. You can yeah. mix and match the, the 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 guitarists, the drummer. His voice is that very, band. Very distinct. Yes. Yes. Very distinct. Now, he was not the only one that sang in that band, but you're right. Uh, you're right. Here. No, hold on. There it is. The train. Yep. <laughs> Every episode. Every episode. <laughs> um, No, he wasn't, but he had... I love that. He had the... Um, <laughs> The oh, yeah, biggest hits, it? I think. Yeah, you, you love it. Wait, wait till you hear it at four in the morning. I never will. <laughs> I never on, will. We're not, not going to have a sleepover. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Come on down because it's, it's a lot warmer down here than it's going to be up there. Um, But yeah, the, the, <laughs> how long is that train? Um. He had the biggest hits. Sure. Uh, you know. Sure. Yeah. It, 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 give me a song where he didn't sing that was that was on the radio. Like where somebody uh, else sang for Super Trump. I, I, I don't think that Roger Hodson sings lead on Goodbye Stranger. Huh. You might be right with that. Yeah. I don't, I don't think. I think he sings on the chorus. He sings but in the chorus. He definitely is in the chorus. Yeah. But I don't I don't think he sings lead on that. Goodbye Strange is a good song. That's one of their it's better a, songs. It's it's a good song. Another group that if you heard their greatest hits and there's 10 say 11 songs on it, six of them are going to be winners. And like we always say, if you bought an album and it had three or four good songs on it, that was a good album. You know, yeah, I mean, Bre Breakfast in America was a massive album for them. Oh, that's a classic album. That's a masterpiece. That was their yeah. masterpiece. They you had know? some. They had some great stuff. I, I liked some of the deeper cuts that they had. Like, did you ever? Um, did you ever like the song School? I don't it think I heard the, it. Is it on? Uh, you, you, I don't remember it. If I did, yeah, you've definitely heard it. There's, yeah. there's no question about it that that you've heard it. Um, and believe it or not, I'll tell you one of the, when I'm painting, you know, when I'm pulling out records, one of my favorite live albums to to play is uh, Super Tramp Live in Paris. is actually really good. Okay, all right, good recommendation. Um, the Violent Femmes taking a left turn here. Yeah, um, quirky. Like them, don't love them. Um, you know. Do you Blister turn the songs the off if you hear it on the radio? Blister in the Sun, I absolutely do. Just because, I mean, it's a great song, but it's just so dreadfully overplayed. Yeah, that that is that is an overplayed song, but it's still it's still a good song. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's. I think it's still a good song. It's a, it's a good song, but you know, I mean, so is um, so is Sweet Home Alabama, but I don't listen to that on the radio anymore either. I had a uh, I had a chance to see. The Violent Femmes and Colin Hay, uh, right down the street from me, and there's an amphitheater. And I had a chance to see them, and 
we had a drop-in guest or two right before yeah it was kind of like ah and i i dropped the ball and i missed it that's too bad you know who who the uh the good one in that that uh lineup is colin hayes deb and i saw colin hayes was fantastic yeah yeah have you ever have you ever heard his uh solo album man at work yeah yeah fantastic some really great stuff on there is he sick did he didn't he didn't he have uh yeah, prostate cancer. Prostate cancer, right? Yeah, he's he's gotten through it. As a matter of fact, the last time that we we saw him, he he talked a little bit about it. What about um, uh, Mike, uh, lead singer from the Alarm? Uh, Mike, not Mike Andrews. What's no, no, I can't. I can't remember. It's right on the tip of my tongue. But he was touring for a while. Then he got sick, also. He had, I think he had cancer. Then he came back. Then I think he got sick again. Yeah. You know, but another one who, you know, he could, he could pull off those acoustic, um, you know, those acoustic sets of, of alarm songs. Yeah. You know? uh, I think, I think underrated and I think unfairly compared to, you know, they, a lot of people called them a U2 ripoff. Well, they were supposed to be, if I remember correctly, they were touted as the next U2. Yeah, yeah, but so were a lot of bands back then. Yeah. Um, but but I, I thought that they had some great songs. They definitely had an edge to them. Uh, Mike Peters. Mike Peters, that's it. Mike Good call. Peters. Yeah. Um, but but he, had, you know, he had a kind of a distinct vocal style that I don't think was really accepted commercially. You know, aside yeah. from, you know, Rain in the Summertime. But that Strength album is fantastic. Rain in the Summertime is probably my favorite alarm song. That's a, it's a great That's tune. That's a great song. I, mean, I love Strength, uh, I think, is a is a great one. And, then, you know, the early stuff, like Where Were You Hiding When the Storm Broke. Yeah. In absolute reality. 68 Guns. 68 Guns, yeah. There's, there's some great stuff. Rescue Me. Great Rescue song. me is a great song, man. Yeah, see, I forgot about that one. Yeah, that's a great song. But I have the album that uh, was recorded live at the Orpheum the day, the night you and I went to see them. It was a record store day release two years ago, and I couldn't believe that of all live albums for them to release, it was that one because that's yep. a great story for you and me. That was a great night, very interesting night you know, running into them when they were like, what they were, they were like our age. They, they weren't paycheck. much older. They, you know? they signed, they signed my strawberries records and tapes at paycheck. <laughs> and you couldn't cash it. I was like, yeah, I'll have them give me another one. It was look for, for just to be honest with you. I think it was like for 42 bucks or something ridiculous. Like, yeah, that. the bus, the bus stopped right on Tremont street and they, they got off and started walking down toward the, the front of the theater. And, I think we looked at each other. We're like, is that the alarm? Like, <laughs> four of them. And, and the, the road manager trying to herd them like cats. Yeah. Because there was probably like, what, 20 of us, 20 people just kind of hanging and milling around there before the show. Pretty pretty interesting. Lads, the uh, the entrance is around the corner. Get back on the fucking bus. Yeah, you know, it's, we're, we're not, Get back on the fucking bus, will you? I would actually blame the bus driver for that one because <laughs> yeah. he just stopped right in front of the place. I, I think you and I were, were some of the only people that actually knew who they were. Cause most people were there to see the pretenders. Yeah. And we just looked at, we were like, is that, is that the alarm? Like, well, yeah, you couldn't I mean, miss Mike Peter's hair. Yeah. They all had the, 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 the spiky up hair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Before it was called hair bands. Yeah. <laughs> we we, we kind of had teased up here at that, at that time too. I think so. Uh, I think so. I, I had the days. 10X slicking it back. And yeah, yeah. Um, should the B-52s be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Right? No question. Right? Very influential band. You know, we've we've talked a little bit about this before, but John Lennon attributes the B-52s uh, as his reentry point back into music. And this isn't this isn't a good comparison, but this is what he said. He kind of went to Yoko and said, look, music is catching up to you. Not John Lennon, Yoko Uh, Ono. 
Yeah. Yeah, except the B-52s did it with rhythm and, and style. And Yoko is just screaming like a lunatic that she is. I don't know why the B-52s haven't earned that right. I think that they deserve a lot more respect. I think Love Shack hurts them a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I I think that their later albums suffered a little bit, you know, but those those first couple of, of albums were just unbelievable. Oh yeah. 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 How how many how many times did you play the yellow album, their first their I still do. I still yeah. do. You know? I still do. It's it's a it's a classic album. I re- I remember the I think the first time I ever heard that record was down in Jim Hurley's basement. Really? That was a staple down there. Yeah. Yeah, well, at the time that was a uh, that was a big deal, yeah. you know. That uh, the, I saw them at the Club Casino in uh, Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. De- you know what, Deb and I saw them at the Club Casino like two years ago. Oh, Maybe really? Wow. Yep. Yeah, and they wow. were great. They were yeah. great. Yeah, I was right at the stage where I wasn't supposed to be. Of course, had a table. I was sitting at a table with total strangers, <laughs> right at the foot of the stage. What's the stage? Is only like what four feet off the ground or something? Back yeah. then, I don't know if they've redone it since then. But. What did you just sit down and say, hi, I'm Scott? No, no. Uh, we uh, So we had fake IDs. And what happens is uh, our friend Jim McDonald, rest in peace, uh, they, didn't, they didn't believe his fake ID. So they just give us tickets back, right? Yeah. And so we take Jim around the corner. I find a pair of sunglasses on the ground with one lens missing, right? And Jim had this thing. He would take his T-shirt and, like, kind of ride it up over his head and and move it back and forth and pull it, and his hair would statically stand straight up, (laughs) right? (laughs) He looked like a member of the alarm. Yeah. So we go to another line, and... We just give them the IDs, and there was, I think, I don't know, 12 or 15 of us that came up that went up there from Winthrop. But, and the guy looks at, the, looks at Jim McDonald's, Jim Mack's ID, and looks at him, looks at the ID, and he's just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> just <laughs> let him in. Then he looks at our tickets. He goes, you two are sitting in two totally different places. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he looks at my ticket. He goes, "You're at, like you're up front." So he, the guy that originally kicked us, that told us we couldn't come in, took the next ticket that was given to him because he already tore mine, gave it back, gave me a full ticket, a something, and then I just ended up at that table with, I don't know, I don't know how I did it. I was drunk, anyways, but. Yeah, that once again, right there at the front of the stage where I'm not supposed to be. Yeah, speaking of being right up front, Johnny Cash just joined us. Yeah, I saw hopefully, that. Hopefully he's still on, but I still remember it. I think it was me, you, and him right up front for ZZ Top. Yeah, 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 that's right. He was with me at the uh, when we <clears throat> charged our way up to U2, and then he, he bailed somehow, like, toward the end. He's like, I'm going to go back to the seats. So he could have been up there with me. He would have been more of a legend than he already is. He could have put the edge <laughs> on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, guys, you guys could have had chicken fights on stage. <laughs> uh, uh, he's still there. He's, he's still there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, let me do it. Uh, what? I'm going to give you this. It's, let me figure out how to word this. Um, what do Adam and the Ants... And Van Halen have in common, like not a band member, but just think about Adam and the Ants and think about Van Halen and what are they kind of, they kind of parallel each other. I, I th- the only thing that I could possibly think of is their attire. Now, well, close. So Adam and the Ants were... They were my. They were probably my favorite um, new wave band. That, that first album is is a it's a really good album. You know, they, everyone thinks of Adam Ant with uh, you know 
desperate but serious and goody two shoes. But that's when he was solo, right? Kiss, right? Yeah. But when he was with uh, when he was with the ants, they were they were pretty heavy. They had very heavy sound, right? Well, very very percussive, a lot of drum. Yes, and heavy guitar, reverb, lot. And you know, I like reverb, right? Yeah. Careful there, buddy. So, um, so what happens is Malcolm McLaren becomes the manager, and basically talks the ants into kicking out. Adam Ant and brings in Sammy uh, Hagar. No, no. Anna, Anna Bella Lewin. Oh, from Bow Wow Wow. And they turned into Bow Wow Wow. So if you listen to I Want Candy, uh, and it sounds just like Adam and the Ants, right? Because yeah. it is. Very, it's the Ants. Very, very percussive. Now you got Van Halen, David Lee Roth. Big deal, big lead man. Kind of gets booted from the band, right? Not kind of. He did get booted from the band. Just like Adam Ant, they go off and start this solo career with pretty campy shit. Like, not the normal Adam and the Ants and Van Halen. They go off and do, you know, like Adam Ant did, you know, Goody Two Shoes. David Lee Roth does California Girls. Right? Yeah, but whoa, 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 whoa. I'm not comparing the songs. No. I'm just no, saying. David, David Lee Roth, if I remember the timeline you know, correctly, was still kind of in Van Halen when he did that EP. Ah, I don't know, man, because he was ready to make a movie. And so he did, might have technically been with them, but they never did anything again. No, they didn't until No, until so he was later. pretty much out. I mean, because... Which the rule gonna, was no one does outside work in Van Halen. That was the rule. Like, nobody does side side projects. But Eddie Van Halen, that's why he didn't get paid for the Michael Jackson solo in Thriller. He didn't get paid for that. He did Quincy Jones a favor, but that was a set rule in that band. No one does side projects. Even though Eddie did side projects. Well, even, beyond, even beyond Michael Jackson, he actually did a record with Brian May. Right. So, of course, Eddie Van Halen was Eddie Van Halen, though. Of course. He could do what he wants. He could do what by, he wants. By the way, this conversation is somewhat timely. Did you hear that David Lee Roth publicly announced his retirement from music this week? Oh, thank you, dear God in heaven. Thank you to the rock gods. Thank you, Satan. <laughs> thank everybody for that. Well, you're, you're right. He's not a guy that has aged well. His voice waved by by a long, long time ago. I think the thing that's a little bit disturbing about it is that his uh, statement, his retirement statement, was a little bit cryptic, but he was alluding to him being really sick. He was alluding to not being that far behind Eddie. Now, I don't wish that on him, of course. You know, no, And no, if that's the case, is. then it's that's a, that's a sad thing because – He's, but he's one of those guys that should have just stayed away. His legend would have been immense if he had just stayed away. Okay, you did your, your California Girls and you did your album and, you know, you had your moment. Just walk away, dude. But you came back looking like you know, an old Jewish guy from a deli in New York. <laughs> you know, and in his 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 shtick was was stupid and campy, and the dude never shuts up. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Oh my lord! An interview with him is just like <laughs> the interviewer just asks one question and then goes takes a dump, and he comes back, and David Lee Roth's still talking. And the room could be empty and he's still answering the question and he's still, David Lee Roth. You know, I was backstage. Shut up. He's like the king of Facebook. No, the king of Facebook is funny. David Lee Roth isn't. That's the problem. Yeah, he did not. He did not hold up well. But I'll tell you, even when David Lee Roth was with Van Halen, he used to drive me nuts. I just wanted him to sing the fucking songs. Just yeah. get get out there and do do your work. But he was always, you know, 
shaking his ass and you know, he was the weak link in that band. And they knew that he was the weak link in, the, in that band. Do you know that before they did the first album that they were going to replace him? Yeah. They were, they were, they were actually going to boot David Lee Roth out of that band before the first album came out. And one of the people they were actually considering was Sammy Hagar. Yeah. We talked about that. That's right. We yeah. talked about that. Uh, yeah, but it's a good thing they didn't because, you know, he was, he, he was like Roger Daltrey to the who okay pete townsend said you got three geniuses in a in a lead singer <laughs> that's how he referred to roger daltrey he said he we had three geniuses in a lead singer townsend was never impressed with daltrey until tommy yeah it's true he said that's when he found his, his groove voice. that's yeah. when he found yeah. his voice that's when he found his 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 swagger i mean but it, but yeah, before that, Pete Townsend was just like, we're just going to tolerate him. Yeah, but you know what? The who's not the who. You know, you have that chemistry, right? David Lee Roth, not the most technically adept vocalist. You know, Roger Daltrey didn't contribute much beyond his, his singing. He couldn't really write songs. He didn't play an instrument like the other guys in the band. And Pete Townsend is right. Pete Townsend was a genius. So Keith was Moon John Entwistle was, and Keith Moore. Yeah. They were all they were all geniuses and absolutely at the top of their game, um, and and the best at what they did in the in their own respect. And yeah, but that band is not that band without Roger Daltrey. And, and Van Halen would not have been as big as they were, yeah, uh, with Sammy Hagar at the beginning. Trust, trust me when I tell you this, that having read enough about the who, and in particular, Pete Townsend, if he could have had as big a career solo, there would not have been a who after a little while. He never would have went back to Roger. Those guys have never gotten along. Right. And, and, that, and that goes Keith Richards, Mick Jagger. Do they really get along? They tolerate each other. Doesn't mean you have to like each other. Yeah, And, and that's like the beauty of Pearl Jam. I heard this, I don't know, 15 years ago, 20, whatever, that when they're off tour, they, like, don't even talk to each other. Yeah, it's true. You know, like, Eddie Vedder has his own uh, friends, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they just all do their own thing. It's bad. Uh, what's, what's the guitar player's name? Um, Mike McCready or Stone Gossard? Stone Gossard, yeah. Like, he's like, I have my own group of friends. Like yeah. we, we meet, it's, it's business. That's how they like each other. Yeah. And not only do they have their own group of friends, but they all have their own side projects as well. So they have their own outlets, you know? Yeah. So they, they, they try to do what they can and to save their best material for the Pearl Jam records because that's their bread and butter. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, I, I've seen Stone Gossard at Fenway Park in front of 30 or 40,000 people. And then six months later, I saw him at the Paradise in front of 800 people. But he's not a he's not the main event. He's he's not the headliner. No, he's, he's a backup guy, right? Because yeah. I don't think Stone Gossett is pulling in thirty thousand people to see him. He he's, is he is absolutely not. As a matter of fact, he's probably the mellowest, laid back guy in the band. You know, Mike McCready is doing scissor splits and you know kicking off of the the amps and playing blazing guitar riffs. Yeah, uh, you know, just amazing lead. And Stone is is by and large he's a rhythm player. I mean, he can play lead and he does play lead, but by and large he plays rhythm. But he was he was the principal songwriter in that band, certainly before Eddie Vedder came along. And there were I think they talk about it in their documentary that once you get to like the third album, they were like, hey, what's going on here? Eddie all of a sudden became the creative force in that band, but initially it was Stone Gossard. Right, right. Um, Renee Nolte, friend of the show commented in david lee roth fed into the commercial tv look you can't compare him to roger daltrey i don't we weren't comparing them in the sense no. of talent or anything like that we're just comparing them in the sense of the band wouldn't have been the band without david lee roth in his time and roger daltrey in his time like i said he was good but he didn't impress pete townsend uh, has high standards but roger yeah. daltrey is good if you listen to the you know, that my generation, that whole impromptu generation, that wasn't written into that. 
he did that impromptu and it just worked, you know, and it worked. So, all right. Listen, we're coming up on an hour, buddy. We're actually going to go over. So let's finish it off with, uh, this day in music, this day in music, Yeah, this day in music. And, uh, today this, we're recording this podcast on October 6th. So, on October 6th, 1967, the Doors appeared at the Cal State Gymnasium, Los Angeles, California, with the Nitty Gritty Dirt Band and the Sunshine Company. Yikes! <laughs> Yikes! <laughs> but even better than this, even better than that, on the same day in 1967, Pink Floyd appeared at the Miss Teenage Brighton Contest. In Brighton, England, playing the musical interlude during the contest. Double yikes. Oh, <laughs> shit. Right. On this day in music in 1972, during sessions at RCA Studios in New York City, David Bowie recorded the Gene Genie, which became the lead single single from his 1973. Uh, classic album. It says album, but I'm gonna say classic album. Aladdin Sane. The track spent 13 weeks on the UK charts, peaking at number two, making it Bowie's biggest hit to date. The line, "He's so simple-minded, he can't drive his module," would later give the Scottish band, Scottish band, big country. No, simple, simple minds. minds. You're not even simple minds. You check out like three minutes before the show ends. <laughs> Let me read that again. He's so simple minded. He can't drive his module would later give the Scottish band simple minds. Their name on this simple day, minds. <laughs> this, where's the train? Bring the train back. What? It's more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> on this day in 1979, Led Zeppelin's in through the outdoor was at number one on the U S album chart. Six versions of the cover were released, each depicting the same bar scene photographed from one of six different angles. All of them covered up by a brown paper bag. Brown paper bag, which is pretty great marketing. Great marketing. Um, Yeah, I mean, Led Zeppelin had some, you know, interesting album covers. I mean, they had that kind of interactive thing with Led Zeppelin 3 with the wheel. Yeah. It was kind of cool. Yep, yep. On this day in 2010, a set of John Lennon's fingerprints were seized by the FBI from a New York memorabilia dealer who intended to sell them for $100,000 minimum bid. The prints were taken at New York Police Station in 1976 when Lennon applied for permanent U.S. residence. The Bureau believed the card was still government property and was investigating how it landed in private hands. Cha-ching! Someone got paid for those. Bummer. On this day in 2011, this is the greatest this day in history I'll ever read. On this day in 2011, Starship's We Built This City was named yeah. Worst Song of the 80s. I got to say Worst Song Ever in a poll by Rolling Stone magazine. The final countdown by the Swedish band Europe came in second and Lady in Red by Krista Berg was third. What? Also making the top five were Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go and... Uh. The Safety Dance by Men Without Hats. <laughs> okay. Don't don't let Deb hear you that. She loves the safety dance. Oh, forget it. She loves, 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 loves the safety dance. It was a sad day on this day in 2019. Ginger Baker, the legendary drummer and co-founder who we just spoke about last week, my man, my drummer, uh, co-founder of the rock band Cream, died at the age of 80. The drummer co-founded Cream in 1966 with Eric Clapton and Jack Bruce. The band released four albums before splitting up in 68, after which he formed the short-lived band Blind Faith with Clapton, Steve Winwood, and Rick Gerick. Baker, one of the most innovative and influential drummers in rock music, also played with Blind Faith, uh, Hawkwind, and Fela Kuti in a long and varied career. In 1962, joined Alexis Corner's Blues Incorporated, on the recommendation of Charlie Watts, because Charlie could swing, right? 
who was leaving to join the Rolling Stones and later gained early fame as a member of the Graham Bond organization alongside bassist Jack Bruce. So yeah, I, I got to tell you something. You know what bums me out a little bit about the whole Charlie thing? I mean, look, he lived a good long life and he was a, a legend and whatnot. But there was a little expose on him, a tribute to him in Rolling Stone magazine. Yeah. You know, and you, you have, you know, artists that are paying tribute and it's a good four or five page spread. But how do you not give the death of Charlie Watts the cover? Right. And, and they didn't. Right. Joe, Charlie Watts had a big car collection, big classic car collection, and didn't know how to drive. Didn't nope. have a license. Never. <laughs> never learned how to drive. Nope. And it was another very sad day on this day in 2020. Eddie Van Halen, the revered guitarist and co-founder of the rock band, rock band Van Halen, died at the age of 65. Can't even believe it's already been a year. Yeah, I don't have to even read the rest of that because we all know what we're talking about there. Um, yeah, so that's it on this day in music. And there was no birthdays of any, any significance today <laughs> that we want to talk about. So with that note, uh, Scott, the IT guy left, <laughs> but he left his outro on the way out. Uh, okay. I'm going to read. I always read his comment. No playing you gents off tonight. Whatever that means. <laughs> Got to run early. So make sure all the hot sauce lovers out there like, and subscribe and try to have themselves a great night. See, at least when he leaves, he leaves the outro. We have him trained now. We have him trained. <laughs> <laughs> He's a good boy. He's a good boy. He's a uh, good boy. Let me see. Uh, Renee. Oh, yeah. It's Jen's oh, yeah. birthday. It's yeah. Birthday. That's right. She's, she's of what significance. She's <laughs> significant. So once again, birthdays today, Jen Locke. <laughs> Happy birthday, Jen. Da-da-da. All right, listen, buddy. Great show. Great show. And I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank everyone for watching. Uh, like I always say, uh, you people, your listeners and viewers are the engine that drives this this machine. And without you, we would just be two idiots babbling to each other like we have for the last 45 years. <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that... Renee, too. Renee, we love you too, Renee. You know I love you, Renee. There you go, buddy. All right, listen, everybody. We'll see you next episode. And we're out. Jack, stay on. Mm-hmm.